Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Speech and communication, how we converse with each other, is an important aspect of temperance for Cicero in On Duties. And he actually gives us quite a few discussions and even guidelines about how we should talk with each other. Now, why is that the case? Why would that be so important? And why would it fall under temperance as opposed to the other virtues? It's not to say that we can't also observe, say, justice or wisdom or courage in how we talk, but temperance has to do with how we regulate our behavior, how we live out the life of a rational creature. And for the ancient Greeks and the Romans, reason and speech were very closely connected with each other. To be the rational animal doesn't just mean to be cerebral up in our heads. It means to be the communicative animal, the animal that talks to each other. And so we can do this well, or we can do this poorly. The first thing that he talks about in chapter 29 has to do with humor. And he tells us that, you know, first of all, humor, that's for when we've taken care of the serious, earnest business, but it is an important aspect of life. And when we're being humorous or playful with each other, when we're jesting is how the old translation goes, then we need to remain within certain limits. We want to be in what we nowadays call good taste. And so he contrasts two kinds of wit or humor. The one is coarse, boorish, buffoonish, obscene, indecent is how it's translated, but obscenum is actually how it's being discussed there. And the other is refined, witty, the sort of thing that brings us together. And it's interesting if we look at his examples, he talks about attic old comedy, and that means Aristophanes. Now, if you've ever read Aristophanes in English translation, you might actually think, yeah, Cicero's right about that. That's very refined stuff. If you read it in a translation that sticks fairly close to the original Greek, and especially if you read it with somebody who catches the plays on words, or if you even read Plato's Symposium, he talks about Socratic dialogues, right? If you read Plato's Symposium and you see all of the sexual jokes in it, then you might not actually share Cicero's view that this provides us with a model of how to be refined in talking about comedy, especially when we go to the next key point. But be that as it may, we can think in our own time about where do the lines run? What counts as humor that's in good taste? And where do we say that's really crossed the line? Now you're just being obscene. Now you're just being gross. Now you're just being vulgar. Now you're saying stuff that you you shouldn't say. Now you're going beyond the limits. Now, the second thing that Cicero talks about is bodily functions. And this is in chapter 35. And he says some very interesting things. Again, we may not find ourselves in complete agreement, but the goal here is to understand what temperance in speech and communication looks like for Cicero. So he tells us that the things that concern the lower bodily organs, defecation, you know, getting rid of waste, sexual functions, those sorts of things, really we shouldn't be talking about those. You're not being temperate in bringing those into conversation. He even goes so far as to say, listen, there's really nothing wrong with those functions, although you should keep them hidden away. Do them out of other people's sight. 
but it's obscene to talk about them. And he faults the ancient cynics, and he says even some Stoics who are more cynics than Stoics, for making the following argument. It's okay to talk about murder or stealing. Why is it wrong to talk about going to the bathroom or having sex? or any of those sorts of things. And Cicero says, it's wrong to talk about them. It gives offense. It's indecent. And he gives an argument of his own, which is, is really quite interesting here. Again, you may not actually buy into it, but it's good to take a look at. He says, human modesty has followed this careful contrivance of nature. All right-minded people keep out of sight what nature is hidden and take pains to respond to nature's demands as privately as possible. In the case of those parts of the body, which only serve nature's needs, neither the parts nor the functions are called for by, are called by their real names. To perform these functions is nothing immoral, but to speak of them is indecent. And his argument is, listen, you know, these are kind of hidden away, right? The face, you look at the face, but you don't look at the private parts. That's hidden. Now, you might say, Cicero, what are you talking about? How are they hidden away? They're out in plain sight if you're naked. And Cicero said, well, don't be naked then, right? You, you've got clothes to wear. And again, we may want to see this as sort of a reflection of the cultural mores of his own time. I don't even think this was necessarily shared by all Romans. So this is one we can probably set aside, but look at it as an interesting curiosity. Are there things that we should not actually talk about? Do we have similar matters in our own time that although there's nothing wrong with doing the action, we're not supposed to talk about it. That's an interesting thing to think about. Chapter 36, 37, and 38, he gives us what he calls rules for conversation, ceremony. And he says, listen, people have given us rules for oratory, for, for talking with other people about public business, trying to get things done. But nobody's really given us rules for how to talk with each other, say at dinner parties, which were a very important thing back then, or with acquaintances on the street. How should we talk with them. And here he lays out a couple interesting criteria. The first thing that he talks about is style or diction, you could call it, right? He says that it should be clear, claris, right? And musical, suavis. And he says, this is something you can actually work on. You can, you can improve your articulation. We've got that old joking phrase when somebody's mumbling, we say, hey, buddy, take the marbles out. And if you don't know where that comes from, people, when they were practicing elocution, would actually take marbles and put them in their mouth. This goes all the way back to Demosthenes in Athens. And they would try to talk with these marbles in their mouth so that they would have to practice getting better and better and better at speaking and at projecting. And so then when you take the marbles out, you're going to sound a lot better, right? So when we say to somebody, take the marbles out, we're saying, hey, mumble mouth, I can't figure out what the hell you're saying. So if we're going to be temperate, we should actually learn how to speak well. We should articulate our terms. We shouldn't blah, 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 mumble in them, right? So we might actually extend that to accents. I know some people every once in a while say, I can't understand Dr. Sadler's accent. Well, I speak Midwestern standard with you know, kind of a Wisconsin twang. Different people speak in other ways, right? So Cicero would probably have some, some guidelines about how we ought to be speaking English, what kind of English we ought to speak. I don't know that it would be British English like in all the old Roman movies. <laughs> you know, there's no reason to think that Romans would speak like Brits. This gets much more interesting when we get to content, though. 
He says that when we're talking with other people, we should be easy. That means that we should not be too quick to give or take offense. We should be not dogmatic, meaning that we shouldn't try to push our own points onto other people as if they automatically agree with us. And we should be witty when it's appropriate to be witty. So maybe not at a funeral, right? You don't go up in the receiving line and then tell a zinger about the person who just died. That's inappropriate, right? Maybe you save that for later on during the reception when people have had a few drinks and they're you know, starting to share stories, right? But even then, maybe you respect other people's feelings and you don't talk about it. So exercising good judgment and not pushing your own views onto other people. This doesn't mean that you can't express your opinions or that you can't argue for your views, but you should take others into consideration when you're doing so. He also says that you don't wanna be selfish in conversation. Let other people have a turn. Let everyone talk. You don't have to dominate the conversation. That's not a sign of being a good person. That's a sign of being insecure or boorish or inattentive to others. Another thing that he says that's really interesting is that we should be, as he says, free of exhibitions of passion. That is mental excitement that's excessive and uncontrolled by reason. Let our conversation be free from such emotions or passion. What does he have in mind there? Does he mean that you should talk like in a monotone and you should never show any emotion, be like a robot? No, he's not saying that. You can be excited about things. As a matter of fact, this is a little bit of a digression. I will sometimes say, I'm excited about this thing that's coming out in Stoicism today or what's going on with Stoicon. People are like, Stoics, they can't be excited about things. That's unstoic. No, actually it isn't. The Stoics thought there were good emotions and there were a whole set of them but they were controlled by reason. They were temperate. It's the intemperate emotions that we have to watch out for. Certain of them are always gonna be intemperate. The Stoics thought, for example, anger is a fundamental problem. Cicero actually discusses this here. Is it ever appropriate to speak angrily at another person? Generally, no. What would be the exception? When we need to do so, for the sake of correcting them or for public order. We might also add in there, when your kid is going to put his or her hand right on the hot stove and you're like, don't do that. And you shout out, right? And maybe you do so angrily. He says, there might be need of administering reproof. We can use a more emphatic tone of voice and even assume an appearance of being angry, but we don't wanna actually be angry when we do this. The harshness has to serve some sort of purpose. In that same section in chapter 38, he also talks about the need to be courteous and considerate with those who we're talking with, including those who are political opponents or in our own time, the people who we disagree with about fundamental matters. All of these are ways in which our speech, our conversation, our communication with others can fall under this virtue of temperance that is so central to the Stoics. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.